Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Toyota Brookhaven services all makes and models. That could be why we were voted best service department the past two years. Come see why. Exit 40 Brookhaven or online at toyotabrookhaven.com. Great service, great savings. At Toyota Brookhaven, we deliver. Howdy, howdy. It's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone and welcome to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. I'm your host Gerard Gibbert along with Rhino in the Element Wealth Studios guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder, and fine music. Kicking off a brand new week here, Rhino. Howdy, howdy. It is Thanksgiving week. It is. It's also match day. What's that? It's the first match for the U.S. in the World Cup this afternoon. Okay. That is bizarre. Uh, <laughs> it is bizarre to have a World Cup around Thanksgiving. They're not happy about the. Uh, they're not happy about the beer. They're no. chanting, right? Beer in the stadium. No beer. No beer in the stadium. Oh, geez, incredible. That, I don't think they're going to accommodate. But they're they? still giving away the Man of the Match trophy, sponsored by Budweiser, in front of the big Budweiser Man of the Match backdrop. So it's just all, <laughs> all kinds of ironic. <laughs> well, no beer. No it beer, same, no public it? displays of affection. Don't you dare take your shirt off to celebrate. Uh, don't take pictures of anything in public, especially if you have a Qatari public or a Qatari national in the picture. All of these things risk jail time. Yep. Uh, and, and so I've seen photos of the royalty in the uh, stadium. Oh, yeah. They didn't have a great day yesterday. Why is that? Because the Qatari national team lost 2-0 to Ecuador. <laughs> well, by the way, I notice on the business channel, their running is the country, the nation of Qatar. They're running ads. Oh, yeah. You seen these? Oh, yeah. And so, you know, we had a discussion Friday. I pronounced it Qatar. And on the text line, I was told it's Qatar. And I've heard both. Well, in the official promotional ad published by the Qatari government, it's pronounced Qatar. Which goes back to what I was saying. You only say Qatar if you're pronouncing it in Arabic. It's kind of like you only say Mexico if you're pronouncing <laughs> Mexico in Spanish. Or you're Barack Obama. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, so, I, I get it. And there seems to be multiple pronunciations. And that's one of the simpler ones. I mean, you look across the map and start looking at what some countries call themselves versus what the rest of the world calls them, it gets a little squirrely. (laughs) Well, anyhow, uh, they're playing it, though. Just ain't got no beer. It's 
called sports washing. Okay. The Spe- reason Russia had the last World Cup and China had the last Olympics. Oh, makes sense. In the meantime, a little football over the weekend did not go well for the Rebels up in Fayetteville. Mean, uh, in the meanwhile, uh, Mississippi State had their way, right? Well, I mean, if they hadn't, it would have been a whole different story. What do you mean? Oh, yeah, I mean, be- getting beat Just by... Just the, the level of yeah. competition. Yeah, I would agree. Not, not denigrating East Tennessee State. It's just they're on a different playing field when it comes to ability to recruit and retain players. Well, I'll have to give it to State for the scheduling. See, they schedule a fairly easy game prior to the Egg Bowl with a short preparation week. And Ole Miss, uh, of course, goes to Fayetteville, a place they don't typically fare well at, honestly. I've been up there a few times watching a game, and it usually doesn't go well up there. I'm not sure why exactly. But, and it was cold. The most bizarre deal, of course, I think, was the, the, the broadcasters on the field. That was weird. Yeah, they've done that a couple times, and it hadn't ever really been a great experience. I don't know why they keep doing it. It, it wasn't uh, good at all, in my view. Not only that, I thought that they're rather continuous focus on the fate of Coach Lane Kiffin was inappropriate. I mean, they were sitting there trying to handicap. I wonder who he'd take with him to Auburn. That was just inappropriate during the game. I'm not saying that because I'm an Ole Miss fan. I don't care who it is. It's just like, you're supposed to be broadcasting the game. This is not the time for analysis of coaching changes. I mean, an occasional, or maybe mentioning it one time, but it was rather continuous. And I thought that was inappropriate. But And so did a lot of other folks. They, they got quite a thrashing, if you noticed, uh, from just people in general. So, but we'll see. That's uh, So we got the Egg Bowl, right, coming up on... Uh, Thursday. Thursday. We should also mention that I think USM went down on that was that was a bit of a shock. Yeah, it's always tough to lose on senior night. Yeah, and Jackson State first undefeated season victory over the Alcorn State Braves. Is that right? Twelve and zero first undefeated season in school history. I thought I heard that on our news clip. That sounds right. Yeah, Dion got it going on. No doubt there. But we got the Egg Bowl, and it's scheduled to be a bit of a wet Egg Bowl, correct? You seen that? Potentially. Yeah, we got... It doesn't look like thunderstorms or serious rain event, but kind of that wintry type just drizzle throughout the day, I believe, and into the night. It wouldn't be the first time the Egg Bowl has been played in such conditions, would it? (laughs) No. I've sat through a few in both stadiums where the rain was falling. So anyhow, a lot of stuff going on on the sports uh, in the sports world. And uh, this week, of course, the last week for the most part 
of college football. Gosh, it went in a hurry. I mean, in a hurry. What's the saying? Time flies when you're having fun? I reckon. And then we, of course, roll right into uh, bowls. There's like, what, 140 bowls or something? (laughs) Like three a day for two months? Well, there was a couple years where they had a little bit of shrinkage where the bowl number went down, but I think it started going back up again. It sure seems like. uh, So it kind of diminishes this... This celebration you hear, they're bowl eligible. Well, who's not? That'd be the easier question, would it not? A whole bunch of them are bowl eligible. Not sure that makes a whole lot of difference, as it used to be. I mean, it used to be a really prestigious deal because there's so few. You had really done something. But now, you got to win and see. Is it a winning season or even six wins? Six and six, right? Because we play a. Uh, if there are more bowls than bowl-eligible teams, then you get into teams with high enough APR, even though they have a technically losing record. I got you. Well, like I said, that certainly a, a team playing in the bowl with a losing record, I would say, would certainly sort of diminish the value of making it to a bowl, of playing in a bowl. Uh, my favorite bowl, by the way, is the uh, the Tax Slayer Bowl. <laughs> I love the Tax Slayer mascot. You seen that guy? <laughs> uh, looks like uh, a fighting sort of knight, you know, from the medieval times. Got the shield and the, and the helmet on and the big sword. Tax Slayer. I'm all about that. The Tax Slayer Bowl. <laughs> what a great mascot that is. Uh, in the meantime, on the political front, uh, first we got Congressman Michael Guest is going to join us in the Element Well Studios at 1020. We'll talk to him about the uh, midterms last week and also discuss what he anticipates with Republicans now officially securing control of the House of Representatives. It's still There's still five races outstanding, last I checked, 218-212. In favor of the Republicans, five races outstanding. They lead. They'd be in the Republicans in four. That would put them at 222. I said last week I thought 221. Maybe it's 222. So 222 to 213 is where it would land. That would be a nine-seat advantage, which ain't a lot. But the big news, I guess, somewhat related politically, is... And now the CEO of Twitter, one Elon Musk, reinstates the account of Donald Trump after conducting a poll on the platform. 51% to 48 and change in favor of reinstating. I was a little surprised that it was that. I normally think of Twitter as being more left-leaning. Of course, a lot of folks already said, I'm getting off now that Trump is back on. (laughs) The same people saying they were leaving that Elon took over. Exactly. We're taking a break right here in the Element Well Studios. Congressman Michael Guest is next. Stay with us. Now back to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi.
back in the Element Well Studios, kicking off a brand new week here, Thanksgiving week. And joining us now, we've got Congressman Michael Guest. He represents, of course, Mississippi's 3rd Congressional District. And we went ahead and uh, issued a bit of an executive order here, Rhino. We've got also Representative Fred Shanks. we got both of them on the, on the show at this time. Uh, Representative Shanks was scheduled to be on at 11.05, and the Congressman Guest now. We're just going to keep you guys, uh, just turn it over to you. I'll just sit back. But both of you at the same time, I think we're setting a precedent, a member of the legislature and the House of Representatives. I think so. How cool is that? It is. Rhino's shaking his head. That's for a first, isn't it, here on Super Talk? <laughs> All right. Welcome, gentlemen. Happy thank, thank you. Thank you for calling an audible, letting Fred and I both yeah. uh, have the opportunity uh, to be on at the same time. That's it, an audible. I like that. Uh, you know, a funny story, uh, you know, people may or may not know, but Michael and I are first cousins, and we were actually running for office at about the same time. It overlapped, and I had people uh, in Brandon who would come up to me, see me in the grocery store, and they would they would ask me, they're like, Fred, are, are you and Michael fighting? Y'all are, y'all are, I say, no, 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 Michael's headed to Washington, I'm headed to Jackson. And I don't know that Fred tells everybody he's my cousin, so uh, I think the secret is now out of the bag. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, it, I love it. It, it, it. It's great because, you know, it gives me somebody, you know, to, to bounce things off of, uh, talking about things that we're doing on the federal level, how yep. it affects uh, the state side. Uh, and so uh, Fred has often been that sounding board as there's legislation uh, that we're talking about enacting, funding that we're talking about sending down uh, to the state level. Uh, Fred is somebody that I rely on on a regular basis and so i think that that helps us work very well together that uh, the federal side knows what's going on the state side uh, and, and vice versa uh, from from fred's perspective uh, if he needs to know hey what is mississippi going to be receiving in certain legislative packages uh, particularly some of the covid funding and things like that gerard where it, things were extremely complicated as to where those funds were going to go we were able to work very closely together it's a great point uh, congressman because there needs to be I think, a continuous uh, free flow of information from the federal level and the state level. Uh, you, of course, uh, Congressman, you, you rely on uh, input from your constituents and, and also need to know what the heck's going on with the state legislature. There actually could be conflicts, especially with the Democrats in control. We see constant overreach by them, extending their power into areas where they really don't have purview that are reserved for the states. We're constantly fighting that. You know, you're exactly right. You know, and so when you when you have those conflict, uh, particularly when fu- funding is attached, you know, my position has always been uh, that the best thing that the the federal government could do is send that money down to the state and then let the state appropriate how those dollars are spent uh, instead of some bureaucrat in some office in D.C. picking projects that will be funded. Uh, it's better to have that done on a state and or local level. Uh, yeah. And so we always look for ways in which we can push the funding down. To the, to the state level, let the state make those decisions because they know the projects, uh, they know the needs of our state far better, again, than some bureaucrat uh, in some federal office uh, who may or may not have been to Mississippi in the last 25 years. And that's so that's, that's why it's important. Yeah, no doubt. Good point. All right, so speaking of which, uh, get your take, Congressman, on, on the midterm 
outcome from last week. Rhino were just talking about it. The the latest information I show says there's still five races outstanding. We sit at two eighteen to two twelve in favor of the Republicans, and then those five Republicans lead in four. Fat holds. We're at two twenty two, two thirteen. Yeah, two twenty two seat yeah, advantage. Yeah, a, a narrow majority, uh, not the majority that we had hoped for. Uh, I think that uh, many of us, including myself, had hoped that that number would be larger. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, I started off being um, um, very cautious uh, when people would ask me, "Hey, you know, what what are we looking at? Well, you know, what, how big are the majorities are going to be?" Uh, but may, and maybe I started reading too many headlines. I started looking at some of these. Uh, national polling sites, uh, 538, Real Clear Politics, and really started to see that uh, it seemed like Republicans through polling uh, and just through the fact that the economy was in such poor shape that the president's approval ratings were so bad, uh, started uh, becoming optimistic that, that we would have a much larger majority. Uh, yeah. We saw an election night that that didn't turn out. Uh, the number of factors uh, that, 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 that play in, but I think what everybody has to remember is each race has to stand on its own. Uh, there were 435 individuals uh, or individual races for Congress, uh, and you could diagram and dissect each race. Uh, I'll tell you, in Mississippi, uh, we saw that Republicans turned out overwhelmingly. I- mm-hmm. If you look at the numbers, uh, the first, the third, and the fourth congressional district, uh, all three of our, our uh, Republican uh, nominees, myself, Trent Kelly, and Mike Ezell, all received 70 percent of the vote in those districts. And we saw a much narrower uh, margin of victory uh, for Benny Thompson. Uh, we saw his margin of victory, I believe, was right at 58% was the last number I saw, which is really a lot smaller than most people uh, projected. Uh, but we will have the majority, uh, even though that majority in Congress is going to be smaller th- than we had hoped. And it's going to allow us to serve as a check and balance on what we've seen this administration do over the last two years. Yeah, so uh, Kevin McCarthy, who appears to be the uh, the shoe in for the Speaker of the House, or they should say the favorite. He's not a shoe in at this point. I've seen some representatives who have voiced expressed concerns about him becoming the Speaker, but I mean, right now you'd have to say he's the odds-on favorite. And, and you're right. There's really nobody that's uh, stepped up. You know, Andy Biggs put his name in. Uh, he received less than 40 votes uh, for the speakership. And so uh, at this point, uh, McCarthy has the overwhelming support uh, of the caucus uh, to be the next speaker. Uh, there's going to have to be work done because uh, it's not just the support of the caucus that matters. Uh, on January the 3rd, um, as the new Congress will sworn in, uh, McCarthy or whoever is elected speaker will have to get 218 votes on the floor of the House of Representatives. Uh, I think clearly McCarthy does not have that number at this point, but he is much right. closer than anyone else. And the fact that you know the, his two biggest potential rivals, uh, Steve Scalise and Jim Jordan, are supporting McCarthy, really there's no one waiting in the wings uh, right now who w- w- would serve as a legitimate challenger to McCarthy. And so I think the quicker that we get these elections underway, the quicker that we can start doing the people's business, because we cannot do anything. The first order of business that the House of Representatives must conduct is to elect a speaker. And until we do that, we can't pass any legislation. We can't begin any investigations. That is the first order of business, and we need to get that resolved on January the 3rd. So he's already come out and vowed, has uh, Representative McCarthy, should he become speaker, uh, speaker, 
to remove Swalwell, Schiff, and Omar from House committees. Yeah. He's playing the game that Nancy Pelosi that's played, right. essentially. And, and, and that's what he said when they uh, originally removed Republican members, uh, that uh, that when Republicans retook the majority, uh, that we would do the exact same thing. And so that's two members of the Intel Committee who will no longer be able to serve, uh, and then Omar, who serves on uh, foreign affairs, uh, yeah. based on uh, statements that they've made, uh, based upon, uh, we know, um, with Swalwell, uh, the fact that, that he had a relationship Relationship with an individual who was believed to be a Chinese spy, there's no way in the world he should ever serve on the Intelligence Committee. Uh, and I think McCarthy is doing the right thing, and he's doing exactly what he told the American public he was going to do, that he is going to remove them from those committees. Yeah, he's, he's made that clear uh, over the weekend. So um, I think that's a good move on his part. He, he's also uh, come out, I guess, with some other... Uh, statements about what he plans to do, defunding the 87,000 IRS agents. He wants to make that part of uh, the next spending bill. Of course, it looks like, uh, Congressman, that the speaker, uh, the present speaker, Nancy Pelosi, in the lame duck session, intends to put a bill on the floor to eliminate the debt ceiling. Totally. Yeah, and, and that's what people need to remember is even though Republicans won in November uh, and we will retake the House of Representatives in January, there will be a lame duck session in yep. December. Uh, in that lame duck session, Republicans will still be in the minority in both the House uh, and the Senate, uh, and there's going to be an attempt by Democrats to push through legislation such as dealing away with the with the debt ceiling. Uh, we know that government funding expires on the 16th day of December, and so there's going to have to be some sort sort of deal cut. I hope it is a very short-term deal cut on some sort of continuing resolution to the beginning of the year so that the Republicans could put our stamp on the federal budget. We've got the National Defense Authorization Act, uh, which uh, needs to be reauthorized between now and the end of the year. So we've got some very heavy lifts that we have to perform between now uh, and when we go home for Christmas. Yeah, we do. All right, we'll step aside for a break right here. We've got Congressman Michael Guest and Representative Fred Shanks in the Element Well Studios. We're coming right back. Your good friend, our good friend, I should say, Price Wallace said. That's two good ones right there. Appreciate that, Representative Price Wallace. Thank you, Price. Thank you, sir. We're coming right back. Stay with us. Listening to Middays with Gerard, Gerard Gibbert, here on Super Talk, Mississippi. Back in the Element Well Studios, kicking off a brand new week on middays. We've got Congressman Michael Guest and Representative Fred Shanks in the Element Well Studio. So, Congressman, I caught a bit of um, the hearing involving Secretary Mayorkas last week. You you threw some pretty, I think, difficult but 
reasonable questions at him. And I got to tell you, as an American citizen, I was uh, I was not um, satisfied with his answers. You didn't appear to be either, sir. No, and, and you know one of the frustrating things about those hearings is you have five minutes, uh, and at times uh, we see people will use uh, that five minutes and they'll try to run the clock out. Uh, but look. I set forth factually why I believe, and I think the American public believes, the border is not secure. Just stati- using statistical data alone, n- nothing else. Uh, talking about the numbers that existed uh, under the previous administration when President Trump left office and, and where we are now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we are at our eighth month with over 200,000 immigrant encounters along our southwest border. Uh, the number of immigrants that have uh, been apprehended uh, is a number that exceeds 4 million uh, during the brief time uh, that President Biden has been in office. And so, again, you put that into perspective as what's 4 million people look like. You know, that's a number larger than the population of the entire state of Mississippi. Uh, and time and time again, Secretary Mayorkas would come before our, our committee, uh, and he would tell us that the border is secure, uh, and we've not lost operational control along the southwest border. And, and the numbers just don't bear that out. The numbers have not gotten better. The numbers continue to get worse. Uh, and, you know, when, when you have such a large increase from the previous administration to this administration, when they are making no headway uh, at all uh, to be able to bring those numbers down at some point you just gotta you, you, you just you become so frustrated and one of the things i asked him would he be willing to work with republicans because i think republicans have a plan to secure the board mm-hmm. the, the thing that's the the, the the thing i believe that we need to start doing is we've got to detain these immigrants the minute they come across the border we've got to detain them and send them back to their country of origin so then the message uh resonates uh whether they're coming from you know whatever country that may be whether whether it be mexico whether it be Honduras, whether it be El Salvador, wherever they're coming from, if people in, in their home country see that if you come to the United States and you come to the to, to the United States without the legal ability to enter the country, you're going to be very quickly reprocessed back home. Uh, we're going to see a, a lot of this surge that we've seen under the Biden administration stop. But this current administration, under Secretary Mayorkas, under Border Czar um, Vice President Harris, have done a terrible job. Uh, the, the the numbers are just astronomical about how poorly that they've done securing the border, but yet they come in and they tell the American public, they tell Congress time and time again that there is no crisis, nothing to look at, uh, we need to focus our time and energy somewhere else. He seems to always be, Congressman, both defiant and unwilling to really just answer very simple, direct questions. You get this litany of of language that really doesn't add up or make any sense out of him. And it's uh, it, the American people deserve better than that. He he did. I think you did. That he terminated someone last week. And I believe you asked him, as I recall, uh, as part of that discussion about uh, additional terminations, and he kind of danced around it. Look, I mean, we need to clean house uh, at, at the Department of Homeland Security as it relates to anybody that has anything to do with the border. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and look, the rank and file guys who are down there, uh, who are on the border, who are doing their job, uh, those folks are being asked to do that with one hand tied behind their back. Crazy. They get no help from the administration. Uh, Secretary Mayorkas, who I believe overall is a, 
is a good individual has done a terrible job uh, in this current position. Uh, you know, I would love to see somebody else serve in that role. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, and, and and we may have that opportunity. But I get so tired of hearing time and time again that President Trump broke the border and they're trying to fix it well first of all first of all that's a lie he didn't break the border when president trump was in office we actually stopped people from coming across and then if you believe that you know how long does it take to fix the problem and they're, they're, they're unable to uh, or, or unwilling to secure the border and and that's why we've seen this constant surge of immigrants come across the border and the american people are tired they're tired of it they're tired of excuses they want something done and if he can't fix the problem then he needs to go you know the acid test is uh the people who cross the border who will say almost to a person, yeah, Joe Biden said, come on in. You never heard that during the Trump administration. No, and, and, and they're, they're wearing their Biden hair shirts as they come across the border. You know, I mean, did, it, did anybody oh, wear a, a Trump Pence shirt no. when they came across the border? Negative. No. All right, Representative Shanks. So one thing that you guys are talking during the break pointed out that I, quite frankly, hadn't thought about is we got to elect a new speaker in the United States House of Representatives. We've also got maybe a similar issue brewing in the state of Mississippi House of Representatives. That's right. Uh, Philip Gunn called us in to a caucus meeting about a week ago or so and told us that he was not going to seek re-election. Uh, he's planning on coming back this coming year or this next session and uh, unless something you know pops up that he just wants to do. Yeah. Uh, so then, yeah, coming up, we... We'll we'll have a, a speaker's race, and uh, of course my money's on Jason White. I think he's the he's the front runner, and he's got it got it locked up. Do you think Speaker Gunn will step down for uh, as, as the speaker in his final year of this term? Well, I see him coming back unless you know something comes along that he really wants to do. Uh, yeah, yeah, he could cut out. Okay. Uh, hmm. So that's interesting. Yeah, I, it, it appears it's uh, Speaker Pro Tem, present Speaker Pro Tem, Jason Correct. White's the heir apparent there. Yeah, I think he'd do a fine job absolutely. in that role. Absolutely, yeah, I think um, he has the support of the conference. He does, and you know, Philip's done uh, a tr- tremendous things. In fact, in that meeting that we had, he he discussed kind of what uh, the House has done since 2012 since no he's doubt. been in leadership, and it's it's more than I would I would say it's more than any other speaker ever. Long list of yeah. accomplishments. I mean, just this past session, we we had done some tremendous leg- legislation, and uh, we're going to have another big year coming up. Yeah, so. and let's be honest. That's a tough job, uh, being Speaker of the House, yeah. uh, as it is uh, at the uh, U.S. level, the federal level as well. You got a big body there. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you've you've got 122 elected people, right. herding cats. Yeah. Um, my hat's off to him. He's done a fantastic job, and uh, no doubt. I, yeah, I don't know if I could do it. No doubt, <laughs> he he has, and and there there've been some some sticky situations Absolutely. and i think he's worked through those uh, quite professionally and effectively and uh, we are a better state for his service in in my view so Congressman, in this lame duck session, anything else you expect or they're not going to try to shove some sort of nutty spending bills through are they it would not surprise me that the democrats are going to do all that they can to pass any piece of legislation that they want uh, they're going to be things that are going to be attached on the spending bills on the ndaa uh, because uh, democrats know that for the next two years they're not going to be able to get those types of spending items through the house of representatives yeah. and so uh, with republicans in charge you know one of the things that we want to get back to is, is being physically conservative again uh, something that we've lost uh, we, we've lost our way uh 
as as a Congress uh, in trying to make sure that that we are anywhere close to being physically conservative. And we we've got to get back there. You and I have had conversations uh, candidly one on one about the problems that we see long term uh, that uh, America faces by the increase uh, in our national debt. We know that Democrats alone, just using the budget reconciliation process, uh, that they added over three trillion dollars to the national debt through the American Rescue Plan through the Inflation Reduction Act. We know that there were several other pieces of legislation that had very limited Republican support, the CHIPS Act being one, yep. uh, the infrastructure bill. And so you've had some huge high-ticket items in addition to the, the regular debt that we run up every year. And, and we, we've got to stop spending. Uh, we've got to get in, and we've got to get spending under control. We've seen that the spending is driving inflation. The inflation impacts uh, every American. People are tired of inflation. They're tired of this bloated government spending. Uh, and we as Republicans, we've got to stand in the gap, and we've got to get spending under control. And so we've got to hold the line between now and January the third. We can't let the Democrats come in, pass some spending bill that's going to take us to the uh, end of this physical year. We've got to make sure that we. Can can put our stamp on that and that we can begin drawing down on some of the spending that we've seen that has occurred, uh, particularly with President Joe Biden in office. Speaking of spending, Representative Shanks, the state of Mississippi continues to produce uh, very healthy revenue figures. Uh, that, are, that are exceeding the Sunny yeah, Die estimates. Absolutely. And, and that was kind of to play off what Michael just said. <clears throat> the state's been under conservative leadership since 2012. Right. And, you know, we've cut taxes. We have an enormous amount of uh, money right now, and we have an enormous amount of money coming in. And it's, it's all about the conservative leadership that we've had that we've been able to do that. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, when we come back, we'll talk about what's uh, on the plate there. Okay. at the legislature with a 2023 session right around the corner. Hard to believe. Hey, and it's also an election year in the state of <laughs> Mississippi. Right. So Fun that, times. That's a big deal. The congressman just finished his. What a whirlwind that was. <laughs> yeah, huh? And I'll have another one in 2024. <laughs> come around that's early, right. We're stepping aside for a break in the Element Well studio. Stay with us. Listening to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi. you middays kicking off this thanksgiving week in the element well studio we've got congressman michael guest and representative fred shanks in the element well studios so representative shanks what do you anticipate the agenda is going to look like uh in the upcoming legislative session 
Well, most think that it's it since it's an election year, we probably won't be doing much and just kind of just going through the motions. But we actually have quite a bit. I mean, this is going to be a busy session, maybe just as busy as last session. A um, couple things we're 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 looking at totally eliminating the income tax. Uh, you know, I know the governor's on board. Uh, we've had many talks about it, and I know. Uh, Jason White was on here just a few days ago mm-hmm. talking about it, so I, I think we'll be able to get that done this year. Um, and then we're uh, one thing I'm excited about is we're looking at ex- expanding and doubling the size of the Capitol complex, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners have been here. And the Capitol Police has done a, a, a fantastic job. Uh, Chief Bo Lucky's done a, done a great job running it. So we're looking at. Um, doubling the size of it and also installing its own judicial district so i'm excited oh, really? about that yeah so th- does that mean it would have courts and judges and yeah, all it, the like it's, right? it would be a district within a district hmm. and uh I, I i fully anticipate us being able to do that that's one thing we've done i mean it, it works and we're seeing the you know their progress interesting so, uh personally i'll be working on the ballot initiative uh, we got close to that last year um uh, we had a little bit of a, a, a disagreement on the amount of signatures. The House position wanted to keep the uh, threshold the same, which was 106,000 signatures. 12%, I think, of the total yeah. ballots cast in the last gubernatorial election, Correct. which worked out yeah. to be about 106,000, right? So we, we were, uh, you know, I wanted to be fair about it. That That's a hard number to get to, uh, especially with the grassroots efforts. I wanted to stay right there. <laughs> Senate wanted uh, more than that, and yep. it just kind of broke down. But since then, I've run into the lieutenant governor uh, several times, and he's actually brought it up to me, so I think he's ready to hmm. ready to do something. Okay. And then uh, I, think, uh, I think on your show, I heard my friend and uh, Senator Nicole Boyd was uh, talking openly about, you know, really wanting to get something she done. She sure did. Yeah. So I, I think we'll be able to get that knocked out as well. Okay. Well, those are, uh, I think those are, are, are good goals to have yeah. in the next session for sure. I know, I know if you look at the 2022 session, just talking uh, anecdotally to mm-hmm. people, to Mississippians, that was the piece of unfinished business Correct. they thought was just left at yeah. the Capitol. Yeah. And just table, we're just going to kick that down. And the the thing about it, of course, to keep in mind is that that's got to go to the voters, correct? Statewide, correct. So we have to have a statewide election. Well, we got one coming up in twenty three. The hope was we'd get something out of the twenty two session to be yeah. on the ballot For, uh, yeah. just recently here, yeah, where we went to elect our U.S. congressman. That's right. That was the goal. Uh, it just it just didn't work out. Didn't work out. Session, but so we could get it on the ballot for the 23, where we correct. have, obviously, statewide yeah. elections. Yeah. And, and Gerard, just want to uh, yeah. chime in on the, the Capitol complex. I mean, that, to me, has been a tremendous success. Um, you know, for somebody who, who's grown up here in the metro area my whole life uh, and to see, uh, particularly uh, my former role as a prosecutor, uh, the, the crime that had overtaken uh, the city of Jackson and really how that had impacted uh, economic development in the city, uh, had it in, in, impacted uh, tax revenue with businesses and, and homes for moving out, uh, to see the legislature be very proactive um, to create that capital complex, yeah. uh, then to bring in Chief Lucky, who has done an amazing job, uh, and to see those, those officers be so proactive in that area, uh, I think it's making a huge difference. Uh, I, you know, as I'm talking to people uh, who work downtown, they're, they're, they feel safer now. Uh, hmm. When you go to the Coliseum for events, mm-hmm. uh, people who were at the fair said, yeah. look, it seemed to be night and day this year on what we had seen before. So Andy Gibson working with Capitol Police, working with JPD, uh, working with Heinz. So that has been something that, that this legislature has done 
done that I think has worked exceedingly well. Uh, I'm glad that they are looking at expanding the geographical footprint of Capitol Police uh, so that more residents and more businesses fall under uh, their protection. Uh, and it's something that we're looking at trying to also partner with on the federal side uh, and making sure that, that they have the financial resources that they need. I think there was roughly three-quarters of a million dollars that we put in through some federal programs uh, that would go toward purchasing body cameras, uh, 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 things such as uh, bulletproof vests, radios, the, the necessary equipment that they need so that all of, of their officers are protected uh, and, and have the equipment that they need to do their job. And so I applaud the uh, legislature for doing that. Uh, I think that single-handedly has been uh, an important piece of us being able to protect the citizens of the capital city. Yes, it seems like it. I mean, I've heard the same uh, yeah. feedback from just generally from citizens. They do feel safer yeah, it, on these properties that are protected and uh, secured. Yeah, it's one of the number one things I get asked about. Hmm. Interesting. And there's, well, also, gotta, there's also, there's also a, a Shanks guy over there, too. I, I know. have to give him a little credit over there. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us who it is. Yeah, it's Sim Shanks. It's my twin brother. He's a major <laughs> over there, so he's doing a good job. Absolutely. We got a break right here. If you guys can hang around through the break, we're sure. at the top of the hour. I know, Congressman, you got an appointment, but we'll get you out of here in time, I think, to, to get over there. We're coming right back with Congressman Michael Guest and Representative Fred Shanks. Stay with us. And now, another hour of the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Begin your transition now. Now on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Hour two of Middays, live from the Element Well Studios. Thanksgiving week is here. Egg Bowl will be played Thursday evening at uh, 6 o'clock in Oxford. And the weather forecast looks like it might be a little wet, a little rainy, a little drizzly. Representative Fred Shanks, Congressman Michael Guest, our guests in the Element Well Studios, so, Ben from Madison on the ceasefire text line, which, of course, is 601-879-4395, wants you to know there, Representative Shanks, that he would prefer to keep the signature requirements at the present 12 percent, 106,000, yeah. based on the last uh, number of ballots cast in the last governor's yeah. election. No in- need to increase that number, yeah. is what he said. I'm with you, man. Yeah. That's, I'm, I'm going to hold strong on that and kind of see where it goes. Yeah, and so the idea also, as I recall, is that the the ballot, the citizen-initiated ballot measure process would be used for uh, making law or amending law, statute, Correct. as opposed to the Constitution. Correct. Yeah. Uh, it, it, in the bill, we had it. The, the biggest uh, or thing that we did was... And the problem with it was we had five congressional districts, and now we obviously have four congressional districts. Well, the the 
percentage of the signatures, that language never got changed right. when it happened. So didn't align. Yeah. So th- we yeah. did that, and then we changed it to statutory only. Yeah. So and then, but the holdup, obviously, like I mentioned before, was the uh, the threshold on the signatures. So that was the difference between the House and the Senate. Correct. I never really heard anything from the Senate as to why they wanted more signatures. I mean, that, so that just means the bar is higher. Correct. Uh, to get something on the ballot initiated by the citizens, it typically also means you got to spend more money. To go get those signatures. Where they were at at one, at one point, they were at over two hundred thousand signatures, and you know, I felt if we pass something like that, I mean, that's just going to the voters are going to be mad as hell on that. Yeah, and I don't think going to do it. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, it, it's just unobtainable yeah. to do it that way. Congressman, what about committee assignments, sir? What, what do you think uh, might happen uh, there? And and also, are you in line for one uh, uh, a chair? Uh, Looking at uh, as we come back in, in January, uh, we will be populating the steering committee. Uh, actually, when we come back the week after Thanksgiving, and so one of the things uh, that uh, Kevin McCarthy has done is he has increased the steering committee uh, to make the, the region smaller. And so the steering committee is make up made up of elected members of leadership: uh, Kevin McCarthy, Steve Scalise, Elise Stefanik, uh, and then uh, they have also increased the, uh, the the regions from thirteen to nineteen. So there's 19 regions. Mississippi is paired with Louisiana uh, and Arkansas. Uh, And so we will elect steering committee uh, representatives. Uh, Steering committee will begin to meet. Uh, Currently, I'm on Homeland Security. I want to try to stay on Homeland Security. I've been on Homeland Security uh, since coming uh, to Congress and have now spent four years and currently serve as uh, the vice ranking member, so the number two Republican uh, on uh, Homeland Security, uh, serve on ethics. Uh, ethics is a speaker appointed or leader appointed committee, uh, serve currently as the ranking member uh, on ethics, uh, and also on another very important committee, transportation infrastructure. First mm-hmm. term uh, on T&I, uh, but looking to, to try to maybe move off of transportation infrastructure uh, onto appropriations. Uh, appropriations is a committee that is vitally important as we start looking at uh, how funds are going to be distributed. Uh, what uh, what pieces of legislation are actually going to be funded. It's one thing to get a piece of legislation authorizing something. So there's authorizing legis- legislation which creates something, but then you have to have the appropriations to go along with it, yeah. or, or, or in many cases, it's a moot point. Uh, Mississippi has had someone on appropriations uh, in the House since Jamie Whitten. So you had hmm. Jamie Whitten, who was a long-term uh, member of Congress for four-plus decades. Uh, then from there, uh, Roger Wicker, when he was in the House of Representatives, serves on, served on House Appropriations. Then Alan Nunley was on House Appropriations and Stephen Palazzo. Uh, and so we kind of consider the fact that Mississippi uh, has historically had a seat on appropriations for a long period of time. I mean, we know in a small rural state like Mississippi, uh, it's important to have someone on appropriations who is there because once the budget is passed, and, I, and I'm for smaller budgets and I'm for limited government, but once those 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 figures are set, uh, I think we need to fight like hell to bring every dollar we can back to Mississippi. Yeah. Uh, currently, uh, Senator Cindy Hyde Smith, she is on the Senate appropriations. Uh, I think it's important for uh, for Mississippi to have a counterpart on House appropriations, and so that is what I'm seeking to do. Uh, in a perfect world. I would continue to serve on ethics, continue to serve on homeland security, uh, and then move over uh, on to appropriations uh, so that, that I can continue that tradition that Mississippi has had uh, all the way back to Jamie Whitten. What happens to the January 6th uh, committee 
that uh, Congressman Thompson uh, heads? What, what happens now that Republicans are in charge of the, of the House? Uh, you know, uh, that committee will very quickly be disbanded. Uh, you know, there ha- there was some talk about maybe uh, changing the focus of the committee, maybe leaving the, the committee somewhat intact. Uh, you know, but I think the best thing that can happen is, is that we, as Republicans, vote to disband the committee completely. Uh, I think the, the committee is so partisan that there's no way that anything that they've done uh, is going to be salvageable. Uh, if there does need to be uh, anything looked into as far as the role of Nancy Pelosi and other things, you know, the, I think that we have standing committees in Congress that can do that. Uh, and so I think that the January 6th committee sideshow will finally come to an end on January the 3rd. I think you're going to see the committee. Uh, they're going to continue to try to get as much information out as they can because they know that the clock is ticking uh, and that that committee will no longer be in existence. And we know that the two Republicans uh, who are on that committee were not reelected to serve in Congress. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, Liz Cheney uh, lost. Adam Kinzinger did not run. And so those were the only two Republican members, members appointed by Speaker Pelosi, again, t- uh, to make some sort of uh, trying to make some sort of uh, of argument that it was bipartisan, but clearly it was not a bipartisan. That was after committee. several were, That's were right. submitted by That's uh, right. Representative you know, McCarthy. Yeah, and, she and rejected them all. She she, she did. You know, she re- rejected. Uh, you know, she uh, wanted essentially anti-Trump people. That, that's she right. Wanted. She wanted Democrats and Cheney the anti-Trump and wing of the Republican <laughs> Party, and that's who she put on the committee. Yeah. And, and we've seen that everything that they've done is partisan. Everything that they've done yeah. for the media. You know, they were scheduled to have a hearing, uh, and that's when uh, the uh, hurricane was set to hit Florida, and they canceled the hearing because they knew that people right. were going to be watching the weather and paying attention to the hurricane, not to, 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 to the information that they were going to try to be presenting to the American public. So clearly, a uh, political committee, which will go away after January 3rd. A couple of minutes here before you go, Congressman. And Representative Shanks, you can hang around if you want to sure. after uh, the congressman I know has a meeting. Um, but uh, so last week, uh, Kevin McCarthy... Republican leadership in the House, uh, at least Stefanik, Steve Scalise, Comer, et cetera, all came out and said, we're going to be launching investigations into the Biden administration, in particular Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden. And they were pretty emphatic about getting that underway uh, rather quickly. Do you support that, Congressman? Do you think that's the, the, uh, the a high priority at this point, that the, um, the caucus ought to be? Uh, focusing on? You know, I, I think that, that there are several investigations that the Oversight Committee needs to be looking at uh, and, and beginning those investigations quickly. Hunter Biden clearly being being one of those. Uh, you know, the, the withdrawal in Afghanistan. Uh, I think we need to, to look at what happened. We need to look and see why we lost those servicemen and women uh, because clearly I think that that would have been preventable. Uh, I think that we were looking at, uh, our military was looking at a date that the Biden administration has set that all of our forces were to be withdrawn by that date. I think we rushed that, and because of that, I think we not only lost American lives, but we left uh, hundreds of millions of dollars in military equipment, which is now in the hands of the Taliban. So I think that there are many things in which we need as Republicans to turn our focus on, uh, but I do support uh, what uh, Chairman Comer will be doing on the oversight, what Chairman Jordan will be doing in judiciary uh, as we begin looking into these issues that are important to the American people. James Comer, representative from Kentucky, he will be the incoming oversight committee chair, I believe. Is that right? That's that's correct. Yeah. So, and then Jim Jordan, of course, who everyone knows from Ohio, will be uh, head of judiciary, judiciary, and they will be working very closely together, hand in hand. You know, I, I, I believe we talked about this last week, Rhino and I did on the program. These investigations are necessary because I think 
Americans deserve to have their elected uh, representatives held accountable uh, when they commit wrongdoing. And I, and I do think there's something wrong here, but it needs to be investigated. Uh, when and, they don't and, act and look, right, but we got you, other we got other fish to fry yeah, too. We and, you, and you about. and I talked about the border too. I mean, I mean that's something that we really have to begin digging into as to why have we been able, unable to prevent the border crisis? It's ridiculous. Yeah, but you're right. You have to do that. You got to better walk and chew gum. You've got to better conduct these investigations while also legislating and doing the things that the American people elected us to do. And I believe Republicans can do both simultaneously. Let's let's certainly hope so. Inflation and the cost of living, of course, the rising cost of living, still top of mind to I think every American out there and we are i think looking forward to republican leadership to put some bills on the table that would boost supply that are supply side oriented legislation the president's telling us oh yeah we're just going to give you this money and that money and write this check that check and that brings down inflation that's not bringing down inflation those are just welfare giveaways at the end of the day. That's right. The Inflation Reduction Act will have the complete opposite effect of the, the name of the bill. I think we got to start dismantling it one provision at a time. Amen. Good to see you. Thank you, Congressman, for coming in. Representative Fred Shanks is going to stick around through the break here in the Element Well Studios. We're coming right back. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's do this. On Super Talk Mississippi. Let's go. Welcome back, everyone, to Middays. Super Talk Mississippi. We are in the Element Well Studios. We appreciate Congressman Michael Guest joining us today to kick off this Thanksgiving week. And Representative Fred Shanks still with us. We um, we knew that the congressman had uh, a deadline, had to get to a meeting, yeah. so we, we talked uh, mostly to him about all the stuff going on up there in Washington. But let's turn our attention to matters in the state of Mississippi. As we uh, just discussed, you guys are going to be back at the Capitol January 3rd, correct? Yeah. January 3rd. Yeah, right around the corner. And uh, one thing to say since Michael's gone, I'm glad to be in the House in Mississippi and not in Washington right now. (laughs) It's crazy. It is crazy. I know things are going to get better, but that just made me really appreciate where I'm at right now. Well, honestly, and and, uh, I've spoken to the congressman many times just in in a private setting, it's brutal when you're in the minority. It has to be. You you feel so – and so sometimes I'd ask him, like, okay, I noticed this piece of legislation has gone to the floor. Um, Has the speaker – have the Democrats uh, giving you guys a chance to talk about? Well, not really. We're, we're yeah. We, I mean, really, you're just ostracized and you're you're yeah. you're isolated to a great extent when you're in the minority like that. We, look, we talk talk quite a bit, and he tells me he's like, Fred, we are just voting on the dumbest stuff right now. You, it's <laughs> embarrassing to even talk about. Whereas, you know, I get to just go talk to philip gunn right now or call him or you know whatever yeah. and, and it's just it's it works it's nice so i, I hope that they'll have that i'll be totally up. different now yeah i was yeah. pleased to see representative uh kevin mccarthy say that he is not going to put swalwell oh me too uh, i love that shift yeah 
on committees. Um, it, they don't need to be on committees. No, they don't. It's preposterous that they would even be on there to begin with. So Omar. I, yeah. I mean, they're they're borderline treasonous, honestly. Oh, anti-American, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. They shouldn't even be there. I agree. Oh, gosh. Also saw where uh, the Representative McCarthy has announced rules where he will start the day with a Pledge of Allegiance. I love that. In the House of yeah, Representatives. Absolutely. Look, we do that every day during session, and yeah. I, would, I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, why is that even an issue? Yeah. <laughs> it's the United States House of Representatives, because there are Democrats there that uh, have deep contempt for the Pledge of Allegiance and thus this country. Okay, there's quite a few communists up there. I agree. It's ridiculous. I, it is. It's it totally is. ridiculous. All right, so you guys are going to be back at the Capitol. May or may not have a new speaker. You don't know um, at this point, but that's going to be, even if we do have a new one yeah. uh, from uh, Speaker of the House Gun over to uh, Jason White, orderly transition. Absolutely. Uh, we've got a real good leadership team. Uh, you know, everybody works well together. Uh, you know, if that does happen, uh, I don't really see any problems with uh, a transition. I think it'd be rather smooth. No, I, I agree with you. And so the governor, he published his priorities for the upcoming session, he did. one of those being. Elimination of the income tax, and uh, hopefully we'll revisit that and and think about creative ways to make that happen. I think that would be in the best interest well, of the state. You, you will certainly be involved again. Well, I appreciate it. And, that. Uh, we, we appreciate all the help on the first go-round. Well, thank you. I appreciate yeah. that, uh, Representative Shanks. And, it, and it's uh, it's my honor and, and pleasure uh, to, to even be called upon to provide uh, some input and uh, really welcome any opportunity I can. And, and I also applaud leadership for reaching out Absolutely. to the public like that. Absolutely. Say, what do you guys think? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, it's a win-win. Yeah, yeah, gaining some input, as they should, mm-hmm. obviously, anytime they're crafting uh, legislation. So hopefully we can find something that works financially, mm-hmm. economically, and practically and uh, move towards that. It's probably going to be, as it was before, a, a phased-in uh, type approach, and that's fine as well. And another point that the governor brought up is his uh, parental bill of rights. So I'm, kinda, I'm interested in that just to see. What, uh, he didn't really uh, expound on it too much, and I've asked uh, his office, and I haven't uh, got anything back just yet on what all he's got in mind, but that should be pretty interesting. So I'm anxious to see kind of how that turns out, Yeah, what and, he's thinking. And what he published there was at a – I guess I'd call it a fairly high level. It was just really more conceptual mm-hmm. and and provided a framework yeah. for his ideas and his thoughts there. Uh, I think that that's something we ought to consider. The, sure. the only thing I'm a little uh, on the fence about is that something that ought to uh, be enacted at the state level, or is that something that ought to be reserved for the districts? Yeah. Um, I kind of have mixed feelings about that. Mm-hmm. I, I could see... Where where maybe there are ways of of working together to do that. Oh, absolutely. What absolutely. I what I do hope is that uh, any sort of legislation that deals with uh, the education, the public education, that uh, the legislature solicits input from all the stakeholders involved, not only parents but teachers as well and yeah. administrators. But there there are teachers in the classroom that I think could provide some valuable feedback. Absolutely. That's who input. I would want to hear from. Yeah. The the boots on the ground. Good. Well, let, let's, make, let's make sure that, the, that they're invited Absolutely. In, into the conversation when we're yeah. doing anything. Speaking of which, a special board meeting has been called. In fact, it uh, 
It started at 10 o'clock this morning. It's at Butler Snow. It's the Board of Education meeting to uh, talk about a new superintendent. Yeah, I, I got the invite, and um, I would have went. Yeah. And, uh, so I'm anxious to hear how that goes and, and kind of what transpires there. Yeah. I know we've got quite a few friends that are over there right we now. We sure do, so, and there's uh, several candidates. Yeah. Uh, one of which was the former superintendent, uh, I believe, Ocean Springs School District, if I'm not okay. mistaken. But my understanding this morning is that, or, or at least yesterday, late afternoon, I was informed that uh, she was removed from consideration. And I want to make sure that I, I get the information right there. But this individual seemed to have some rather radical views um, if, in fact, what I saw was, uh, was accurate mm-hmm. and was, uh, was truthful. But it just seemed like it yep. to some extent. So, but not it, no longer on the list of possible candidates. You know, I, I'd like to see us get to a point um, at some point, <laughs> get to a time at some point where to serve in the role of superintendent of the public schools in Mississippi or any state that we don't just limit the field to those that have some degree of experience in the education world and, and, and you know, some level of, of um, uh, academic achievement, PhDs, yeah. et cetera. That seems to kind of be the default, but I think there's probably a lot of people out there that are qualified for this. I, absolutely. Such a job. I like outside the box. Yeah. I like, you know, having a businessman in politics, you know, things like that, just just a little different. Outside norm shakes things up, new blood. I'm all about it. Yeah, it's a management position. Absolutely. Obviously, and, and there are a lot of folks that have uh, fantastic management skills, interpersonal skills, mm-hmm. organizational, operational skills, decision-making skills. I mean, this is what this is all about. That's absolutely. Uh, running a big organization like that. Yeah. Uh, same thing, you know, your son and, and my brother, both uh, baseball players, yep. and happen to be good baseball coaches. But not everybody that plays baseball happens to be a good coach. And I, I think that would certainly apply to really anything, but, you know, just like we said. Right, exactly. Yeah. That's just the way that works. Yeah, it's uh, Dr. Benita Coleman. She was the superintendent of the Ocean Springs School Board. They just voted 3-2 not to renew her contract. And uh, she was uh, in contention, but apparently uh, she was removed Interesting. Uh, kind of abruptly huh. yesterday. I'm not sure of the whole yeah. story there, but I do have that from very reliable sources. Okay. I mean, I did know she was uh, a candidate, but so we'll see okay. where, where that lands us. But that is a very important role in the state of Mississippi. Oh, a, uh, as we have Absolutely, and especially when, you know, the COVID hit and all that, and uh, it really – it was even more prominent then as well. Yeah. So need some solid, you know, common sense leadership right there. And the Board of Education appointed uh, by, I don't remember exactly how many appointments, how uh, seats each gets, but it's the governor, mm-hmm. the lieutenant governor, the speaker. Correct. All appoint members to the Board of Education. Correct. Yeah, so, but they're meeting today, not far from here, at Butler Snow. We'll yeah. see what, what happens there. I'm, I'm interested. Yeah, and I'm sure members of the legislature are tuned into that very oh, carefully yeah. as well. Yeah. They're very <laughs> interested in seeing how all, all that goes. What else do you see? We talked about the citizen-initiated ballot measure process. What else do you see uh, coming up in the 2023 session? Of course, the income tax, as I like to say, we made a down payment on it last year. Maybe we can get full repeal 
this year in some way that works economically. What else? Uh, you know, one other thing that we've got is we and not uh, it didn't get promoted quite as much as I guess I would like to, but we had a pregnancy crisis center tax credit. Yeah, uh, that's capped out at three and a half million dollars. Uh, you know, if you donate to one of these centers, you can write that off. Uh, we're going to try to double that that cap amount. Yeah, I know that's something the speaker wants that's to right. see done as he, well. Speaker Gunn. It's a good good program, so we're going to try to expand that as well. Okay, good deal. Representative Shanks, always good to see you, sir. Thanks for coming on uh, Middays. Absolutely. And I'm going to say, go dogs. (laughs) (laughs) And a happy Thanksgiving to you and the family. You you as well. Good good to see you. All right. We'll step aside for a break right here. We're coming back in the Element Well Studios, Middays. Started today is with Gerard Gibbert. It is on. On Super Talk Mississippi. The blues has got a hold of me. I believe I'm getting dizzy. Welcome back, everyone. Midday Super Talk Mississippi on the ceasefire text line. Will Benny Thompson lose his position on the Homeland Security Commission? Well, yeah. So the congressman talked about that. The 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 committee, the select committee, which is currently holding hearings investigating the January sixth events, that'll be disbanded with Democrats not in control. Benny, as the chairman of Homeland Security Committee, I can't comprehend that a Republican Speaker of the House, if it's Kevin McCarthy, would reappoint the Democrat, Benny Thompson, into that role. I don't see that happening at all. So uh, that's surely going to be headed up, chaired by a uh, Republican rep, so we'll we'll stay tuned for that. So it puts an end to that stuff. And then, so what we're going to do is we're going to go from Democrats investigating Trump in January sixth to Republicans investigating Biden, in particular Hunter Biden, and as Congressman Guest said, Afghanistan and that whole debacle. I think Americans also deserve to know what the heck's happening with all this Ukraine money and assets that the country is transferring to Ukraine. Joe Biden asking for another $37 billion, having already provided 54 That would put it at $91 billion. So that's on the table. I think that bill will probably uh, be put before the House here in the lame duck session. And we'll see how that vote shakes out. Not sure where Democrats are, if they would pass it with the slim majority they have, and how many members of the GOP would break and support it. I, I get the feeling they're done with it. I think they've felt like that we've, we've sent enough. The thing that I think most Americans want to know, Rhino, is what are we getting for this? What's the end game? What's the mission? What's the goal? That's always the case when we have some uh, sort of conflict, military conflict, a war, what do we get for this? What are we doing this for? 
I don't know that I've seen any mission uh, for the purpose of the money this country has sent to Ukraine. I don't know that we've seen that. I mean, okay, you could say, well, we're trying to defeat Russia, but more specifically, when how do we uh, how do we call victory? I think Americans need to know. They deserve to know that. That should the case anytime we're involved either militarily or monetarily, financially, in uh, a, such an event. And that's exactly what's happening right right now. Of course, I saw that, I believe, uh, you probably saw this as well, Rhino, that we've got Garland. Um, Secretary Garland is also now calling for a special counsel to investigate. We're talking about Merrick Garland, the Attorney General, investigating Trump. They just can't. They can't leave it alone. They're obsessed with it. They're doing everything they can to try to figure out a way to disqualify him from running. And I, I guess my question is, logically, rationally, well, if he's so bad, why do you need to disqualify him? The voters would figure that out, surely, right? If that's what the voters want, even though I've made it clear, I don't think he gives us our best chance of retaking the White House, and, and thus, I frankly wish that he that he wouldn't throw his hat in the ring. He's already done that in the primary. If that's what the voters want, you got to yield to it. And this nonsense of appointing special counsel to go investigate his role in events leading up to January 6th is just insane. It's ridiculous. By the way, I did go and check his Twitter account after Musk said he's back. He hasn't tweeted, and thus far, uh, former President Trump, I mean, his last statements about it are that, I think I'm going to stay on Truth Social. So I'm not sure if he's ever going to become active again in tweeting on Twitter, but Interesting, when I went and uh, just reviewed his account, which has now been reinstated, talking about Donald Trump's, and when you go out there, you'll see that those most recent tweets before he was deplatformed is when he's, honestly, he's calling for folks to stand down at the Capitol and to respect the Capitol Police and 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 uh, is exhorting those not to engage in any sort of violence. It's just interesting that while we're investigating his involvement in that, which is, I think, highly debatable, whether or not he actually incited an insurrection, that while it was going on, he's tweeting, hey, don't don't do this. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but I, I was a little struck by that, that that's what you see when uh, when you go look at his account again, which was just reinstated, uh, looking looking at it here, see if I can find it. Uh, yeah, here we go. One six twenty one. I'm asking for everyone at the U.S. Capitol to remain peaceful, no violence. Remember, in all caps, we are the party of law and order. Respect the law and our great men and women in blue. Thank you. Please support another tweet. Please support our Capitol Police and law enforcement. They are truly on the side of our country. Stay peaceful. I guess what they're arguing was that wasn't enough. I mean, again, I'm not condoning this invasion of the Capitol. But this 
attempt, constant attempt, to connect him to it as inciting an insurrection is a stretch. It's just a stretch. And it's really hard to make that assertion when you read these tweets on one six twenty one while it was going on, where he's clearly saying, be peaceful. I don't know. If It'd be one thing if he's saying, yeah, go out there and be violent. Overtake those Capitol Police. We deserve this, blah, blah, blah. That's not what he said. And so now his account's been reactivated, and there it is. Those are his, his last active live tweets. Unbelievable. Those were the last ones he made on the platform. And Merrick Garland insists on naming a special counsel, all in an effort to disqualify him from uh, running. I mean, I get it. Their deep contempt and disdain for him is, is palpable, but Americans have the right to make their own decision. Just incredible. Really are. Uh, check that stand-down timestamp. I I am. What about it? 2.13 p.m.? one six twenty one. I'm not sure what the point is. Maybe they didn't want it's everyone. It's somebody that's bought in to the BS being spewed by Democrats. Just go look at AOC's tweet about bringing Trump back and how false it was. Yeah, it's true. Totally ridiculous. So, it, I'm not sure that the timestamp. I, I don't know what the point about that is. I'm just reading what it says here on that day. I, if if what this person's trying to say is is that that came a little late, well, why did he do it at all? If he didn't mean it, I mean I, I'm not sure how how briefed he was on what was transpiring at the time. Wow. That uh, that's just I think highly debatable, highly dubious, really incredible. I saw where we talking about sports a minute ago. Florida has pulled a scholarship on a four-star quarterback scholarship offer to a four-star high school quarterback. Four-star, of course, in the rating of recruits, one through five. Four-star quarterbacks is very high. That's a talented quarterback. And so the the player was seen on a video rapping, singing to a rap song that included the N-word. And so he's singing the song. He's recording himself singing the song, which included singing the N-word. Which is inappropriate, of course. I don't know why these kids have to record themselves doing it. But why don't we talk about the rapper who recorded the song that included the N-word. I don't know if it's a black or white rapper. I really don't know. I don't know much about rapping. But I do know, just because people have told me that I trust, that there are a lot of rap art- artists who are black who frequently use the word in their rap lyrics. Is that your understanding, too? Oh, yeah. Well, it's been going on, right? But it's okay. We give them a pass. It makes no sense. Unbelievable. You know about the LGBTQ uh, club where I think five people died in Colorado Springs over the weekend. Someone busted up in there and played shoot 'em up. Now the left 
is basically saying it's because the right doesn't is not on board with, doesn't buy into all the radical gender ideology crap they want, that it incited this person to go out and commit this heinous crime. So unless you're on board with hysterectomies for nine-year-olds, people are still going to go around and shoot people. That's what they're saying, essentially. We're coming right back. Final segment, then Super Talk Outdoors. Only time will tell. Do this. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. On Super Talk, Mississippi. And the ground that sued 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 With you in the Element Well Studios, middays. From the Wall Street Journal, this headline of an article Stressed Out Americans Plan to Buy Fewer Christmas Gifts, Donate Less to Charity. I believe that's true. I absolutely do believe that's true. I, I think that uh, folks are it's, they're starting to show that they're running out of all that helicopter money. And this is also expected to be the most expensive holiday travel season ever. Most expensive ever. Wow. Airfares are way up. Gas prices up. Rates for hotel rooms, rental cars up 12 and 46 percent, respectively, from where they were in 2019. That's a huge increase. The prices of airfares, gas, and hotel rooms are actually down from the record highs hit earlier this year. I guess you could say that's a bit of good news, if you could call it that. But still exceedingly high. Most folks, of course, get in their car. They don't travel uh, via air. And uh, $49 million expected to travel over the holidays compared to 4.5 million who fly, and the gas prices are up. They're a bigger concern than our airfares, just because more people drive than fly. The price of a gallon is down from the July high, excuse me, the June high, but it's still exceedingly high, and I think it is stressing out the budgets in the households. But Joe Biden says, just hang in there, folks. The Inflation Reduction Act goes into effect in January, and help is on the way. Go buy you a water heater, a stove, an electric vehicle, some solar panels. Literally, that is his plan, his strategy to combat inflation and to soothe the household strain. That's what he's saying. It's hard to believe, but that is what he's saying. Can you tell me about this World Cup story I found, Rhino, about some of the European teams wanting to wear an LGBTQ band? 
And yeah, now they're not. The, uh, What's going on there? The European UEFA, whatever, they had like seven teams that were planning on wearing a one-love captain's armband. If you're not familiar with soccer, the captains of each team wear an armband to denote that they're the captain, whereas like American football, there's usually a big C stitched into the jersey and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. the European teams, to protest against Qatar's human rights violations and anti-LGBTQ RTUV, whatever, stances, they were going to wear one love armbands, captain's armbands. Mm-hmm. And they were expecting FIFA and Qatar to go, fine, we're going to give you some fines, we're going to make you pay some money, and they were they were willing to pay fines. But then it came down at the last minute, just like everything with this thing, that they were not going to be fined if they were going to face up to and including yellow cards, which stack up in the World Cup, which means you'd wind up missing matches, potentially, and or being sent off the field until it was remedied. So the seven European nations backed down and said, ah, we can't afford that. We were okay with paying for it, but we, we can't afford to put our players in a position where they could wind up missing matches. So we're we're going to back up and punt. <laughs> it's just crazy. Why does that even have to be involved in playing soccer? Why why do we have to politicize everything, including soccer, here? One of the things I didn't ask Representative Shanks about, but he and I have talked about this privately, and I've talked to a couple of other legislators as well, including uh, Senator Angela Hill who we had on the program, of course, Friday when we were in Columbia. She, Mississippi, she represents that area. We got uh, what was called an anti-CRT bill passed, enacted in the last session, 2022 session. I think it's time for us to think about some sort of uh, bill that addresses and, and bans teaching of radical gender theory, something similar to what happened in Florida with what the left described as the don't say gay bill, which is completely horse hockey that's nowhere in the bill. But some of the radical gender stuff that has invaded the schools in America is really mind-boggling, and we don't have time to get into it today, but I will tomorrow have several examples of what's going on. I'm fearful that this is going to permeate into Mississippi as well, and I think we got to stop it at the borders, honestly. It's nuts. We just need to be teaching the basic skills of math and science and history and reading and English and so forth, and not all this radical gender crap. But we're out of time here today on Middays, as it is a Monday, and that means Ricky Matthews and Super Talk Outdoors is next. Thanks so much for joining us. Until tomorrow, stay safe and God bless everyone. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.